Welcome to the Sick Network Podcast, a weekly podcast discussing current and topical issues affecting Sikhs across the global diaspora. Sacrificing Six, the need for an investigation, the highly anticipated report commissioned by the Sikh Federation UK. Written by Phil Miller, narrated by Sonny Osan, commission designed and published by the Sikh Federation UK. Chapter 5. SAS Advice and the Westlands Helicopter Deal Britain's cooperation with India's security apparatus heightened in the six months preceding Operation Blue Star. Running parallel to this, there were extensive efforts by Thatcher's government to secure new trade contracts in India for British companies. Hayward claims that there were no casual connection between the trade deals and security cooperation. To refute his assertion, we have set out the available material from the National Archives to show how implausible his position is. In January 1984, Timothy Raisin, the overseas aid minister, visited India to discuss the Westlands deal with the Indian finance minister. Also that month, Norman Tebbit, then Secretary of State for the Department of Trade and Industry, DTI, visited India and reported back to Thatcher at length about other trade opportunities. French officials began to protest at Britain's use of aid to secure the deal with India. And in the course of that correspondence, the FCO learnt that the chairman of the rival French helicopter firm was President Mitterrand's brother. This was certain to be a high-level trade dispute. The files show that Thatcher was well briefed on and familiar with the defence and commercial sale opportunities to India at the start of 1984. This is significant, because it was on 3 February 1984 that the FCO sought approval from Downing Street for the UK to advise India on the situation at Sri Harmanda Saib. The correspondence, marked top secret and personal, said that, begin quote, Representatives of the various extremist Sikh groups have, over the last year or so, taken up residence within the Golden Temple at Amritsar. Some of them are believed to be armed. A recent widening of the rift between the moderates and extremists may soon force the Indians into some sort of action. They are now therefore preparing a contingency plan for action against the extremists. It is this plan on which the Indians have sought expert advice. End quote. The request came from the Indian intelligence coordinator, and the letter said the matter was of considerable importance to the Indian government. The letter notes that, begin quote, The High Commissioner in New Delhi fully supports the proposal. He has commented that the request demonstrates the close relationship between Britain and India. A positive response would earn a good deal of credit. At the same time, Mrs Gandhi would find it hard to understand a refusal. End quote. Furthermore, it commented that the Foreign Secretary believes that, in the interests of our bilateral relations with India, we should respond positively to the request. Clearly then, it was this desire to protect our bilateral relations with India that initiated the chain of events whereby an SAS officer visited India from 8 to 17 February to carry out a reconnaissance on the Sidi Hermanda Saib. Interspersed with the Amritsar letters, there is considerable correspondence about the Westlands deal, and while there is no explicit linkage, 
it is heavily implied. Haywood himself wrote that the recommendation and decision to agree this request were based in advice from the British High Commission that it would be good for the bilateral relationship, whereas refusal would not be understood by the Indian Prime Minister, Mrs Gandhi. As the Foreign Secretary knew well, Britain's bilateral relations with India in February 1984 were dominated by the Westlands helicopter contract negotiations. It is hard to see how Haywood therefore reached his conclusion that, begin quote, There is no record linking the provision of UK military advice to the discussion of potential defence or helicopter sales, or to any other policy or commercial issue. The scope for such linkage is not suggested in any submission to, or comment from, a UK minister or official. In sum, there is no evidence that the UK, at any level, attempted to use the fact that military advice had been given on request to advance any commercial objective. End quote. Further evidence from the files shows that on 3 February 1984, the same day that the FCO forwarded India's request for military advice to Thatcher, the department was actually debating the Westlands deal. The FCO commented that losing the deal would do major damage to our standing in the acute commercial competition we are engaged in in India with the French, particularly in the defence sales area. That same day, the Department of Trade wrote to the FCO, begin quote, To set out in some detail the very strong commercial case for agreeing to the Indian request for aid, we see this order for ONGC as of very great importance for the development of Westland civil helicopter business. The next 15 to 20 years are forecast to see a decline in military helicopter sales, so diversification into the civil market is necessary even to maintain Westland's level of output. For obvious reasons, the government attaches importance to maintaining a British capability in helicopters. The present Indian tender represents by far the largest contract available today anywhere in the world. International competition is intense, and we risk very serious consequences unless we can respond quickly to the Indian request for aid, money, which was received over two months ago. End quote. The same day that the SAS advisor arrived in India, 8 February, the files provide clear evidence that the FCO linked military assistance with arms sales. A letter from the British High Commission to the MOD about an Indian Army officer attending a gunnery course in the UK said that, Our interest in getting Indian Army officer on this course includes defence sales reasons. The course would be fully subsidised by the UK at the cost of £120,000. Once the SAS advisor was in Amritsar, Britain's preoccupation with the Westlands deal only increased. Whitehall went to extraordinary lengths to win this contract, granting a vast amount of financial aid to India. Overseas Development Administration files contained explicit comments from the DTI and FCO about the commercial and political importance of the Westlands deal going ahead. Meanwhile, the French were threatening to match the UK's aid offer to India. On 10 February, i.e. after the PM had approved military advice for India, the FCO wrote that losing the Westlands deal could have most unfortunate repercussions for the acute commercial competition in which we are engaged with the French in India, particularly the defence sales area. The commercial consequences would be grave. As regards helicopters, the French would regain the position they lost in the Indian markets when Westlands won the Sea King order last year. On 14 February 1984, while the SES advisor was in India, Tebbit wrote a memo strongly supporting the Westlands deal, 
going as far as arguing that losing the deal would imply that the sale of Sea Kings to the Indian Navy last year had turned sour, calling into question follow-on sales on that contract. At a meeting in mid-February, ministers gave approval to grant India £50 million of aid to secure the Westlands deal. On 16 February, Foreign Secretary Geoffrey Howe telegrammed the BHC in New Delhi to say, Ministers have now agreed that the project should go ahead. The SAS advisor left India the next day. The FCO sent Downing Street a debrief of the advisor's Amritsar visit on 23 February. It said that, Our speedy response to the Indians' request for assistance was very much appreciated by them. The SAS officer made a ground reconnaissance of the Golden Temple complex, from which he was able to advise the Indians of a realistic and workable plan which Mrs Gandhi approved. It is therefore clear that the British advice was being used at the highest possible level on the Indian side. The British High Commission in Delhi commented that Our reaction to the Indian request can have done Anglo-Indian relations nothing but good. The FCO believed that the SAS officer's top-secret plan would be put into effect, that Amritsar would be raided, and that it would cause outcry among the Sikh diaspora. Possible repercussions among the Sikh community here. These extraordinary risks were justified on the grounds that Anglo-Indian relations would benefit. The priority for Anglo-Indian relations at the time was the Westlands deal, in which Foreign Secretary Geoffrey Howe was frequently involved, showing that it was an issue at ministerial level. Political support for the deal extended right to the top of government. There is a letter written at the end of February 1984, which shows that Prime Minister Thatcher herself was of the view that when it came to the Westlands helicopter deal, we do not wish to lose this valuable business. In March, Thatcher agreed to increase the aid available to £65 million in order to secure, in the words of Norman Tebbit, the largest ever civil helicopter order. The Haywood Review hardly made any reference to the extent of these efforts to secure the Westlands helicopter deal, as well as other military contracts that were in the pipeline. When they are properly taken into account, Haywood's claim that the decision to send an SAS advisor to Amritsar was not motivated by trade concerns, seems fanciful. A steering brief for the Defence Procurement Minister's visit to India in April-May 1984 said that the principal UK objectives for his trip were, begin quote, to demonstrate and further the close Anglo-Indian relationship both in defence and other fields, to promote the sale of British defence equipment by drawing attention to its quality to show our willingness to provide military training and assistance to the Indian Armed Forces. End quote. Britain's willingness to provide assistance to the Indian Army and sell them weapons were one and the same. Welcome to the Sikh Network Podcast, a weekly podcast discussing current and topical issues affecting Sikhs across the global diaspora.